Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech and Soul. I'm Tamika Key. And I am Lynn D. Johnson. And we are navigating digital dimensions today. So first, we're going to take a quick uh, moment of silence for, I think, we decided to not cover this topic because we weren't sort of in a space to cover it. But I do think we should take a moment of silence for the conflict currently happening in Israel and Gaza, just acknowledging it's fucked up in a lot of ways. Maybe we will address it on another episode, but not today. But didn't want to kind of, didn't want to pretend like everything's all good. It is not. So like you said, let's take that moment of silence. And um, so this is going to seem a little flippant, but it's not. There's other people who would take moments of silence because of what just what just got announced. And that is that Beyonce is launching a movie for her Renaissance tour. I know that was, like I said, it seemed a little flippant, it was not. Some people would actually take a moment of silence. The Bayhive. What if the Bayhive would take a moment of silence, but that transition was- Not good. Chef's kiss, not good, but chef's kiss at the same time. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's funny. I am not a Bay stan. I I love Beyonce for the for the spectacle. I love her for the for the you know for the for the showmanship. Um, I've actually never been to a Beyonce concert. I know probably a Bay Hive is going to kill me. Um, but and I loved that um, over this the course of the Renaissance tour, which was this whole summer, right? I mean, there were black women, there were white women, there were young women, there were old women, and people were getting dressed up to go. And I was like, wow, this, there, I had maybe one brief moment of FOMO where I was like, wow, I wish I could have been to this. And then I was like, no, actually I have no interest, but go ahead. No, it wasn't just getting dressed up. It was like the whole futuristic yes. look, right? Like it yes. was like, I don't know, interplanetary something. Afrofuturism um, Afro for sure, no doubt. Um, and I was definitely feeling that I did not check out Renaissance Tour. Those tickets bleed a pocket, even the pocket of people who make good money, right? But um, I have been to a Beyonce concert before in my life. Yes, I have. Um, and, uh, you know, the album was, you know, homage to the kids, as we call them, right? Um, and loved it for that. A lot of people, as usual, the, the haters said she's ripping off the culture. That's a whole other topic. Right. I mean, she has always catered to the culture, I feel. The I mean, LGBTQ culture. She's always catered to it. I mean, Beyonce is also camp, right? Is she right. not? Like, is she not like, oh my God, I'm gonna, again, the Bay Hive will come for me. I mean, she's sometimes borderline drag queen, right? Like there is, she's, she's, she gives in that That way. aesthetic, yes. She's, so you she went is. to the Renaissance, so you went to Renaissance. I did not go to Renaissance. No. no, I wish I did. I went to concerts years ago. Years ago. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I did not go to Renaissance, but the announcement. Right? Yeah. And so I mean. the thing, right? It's like. 
you know, I had a little bit of FOMO when I was like, oh man, I didn't get to go to have this experience. And then I feel like it was like a, over the weekend I saw on IG this whole thing. And I was like, oh, this is why she wanted no photos. She wanted nobody to take videos. This is why she was like, no, I'm going to try to, in an age of everybody holding up their phone and watching the artist through this small screen when the artist is in front of them, she tried as hard as she could to sort of contain that so that the, the finished package could be shared in cinematic form. That's one thing I think Beyonce and her team have, have, have done pretty well for years is control the narrative and control the media around her experiences. Like we didn't see, I mean, I saw bits and pieces of the concert. Like I knew kind of she rides on the horse. I knew she's, I saw there was a moment when Diana Ross came, you know, and- For her birthday, yeah. For her birthday, right? But like, I'm gonna go. So choosing, I was not, it was never a, going to a Renaissance concert, concert was never a yes for me. Going to the Renaissance movie was an instant yes for me. And that's- That's interesting. Right? Go ahead, keep going. That's interesting because, you know, back in, what was that, 2018? Mm -hmm. She had Homecoming. Right. Right? And that was homage to HBCUs, yep. right? Um, and so she's kind of done this thing before. I, I think why it's even- bigger now and of course we knew she was going to announce it she was not going to just let taylor have it it's like wait a minute i'm gonna let you finish but what? right and she was giving that right but here's my show um my movie um the the, the thing you said you only saw bits and pieces the thing that was the thing this time was her child, Blue Ivy. Yeah, Blue. Mm -hmm. Blue was the thing. Like everywhere you went on social media yep. were snippets and shorts of Blue. Yep. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Blue is not a producer on this film. I haven't looked it up yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's so interesting that you say that. Also, I think uh, I saw snippets of her other two children in the video as well. And so it's this very curated Beyonce and her team have always had a command of media and a curated understanding of what to drop on which platforms and when, which kind of is the segue into kind of the tech and soul piece The you know, if, if you think about this from, from an artist or creator standpoint, there's an unprecedented opportunity now to do a 360 deal with yourself. Now, everybody's not Beyonce. You still have to have distribution partners and all of those things. But if you wanted to, and I think Issa Rae is also an example of this. If you wanted to, you could drop a video, drop, you could drop an album on SoundCloud or Bandcamp and let people buy it. You could, um, you know, sell tickets to, actually sell tickets to your show on Bandcamp right? Drop an album on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Um, do a live stream on Instagram. Crowdfund a behind the scenes video. And then have people pay you to, to watch sort of your tour in the making. And some of these lesser known artists who have like just these fanatic fans or followers, I see some of them on Instagram who I've followed um, young kids, you know, they have um, merch 
They have their own merch and people are buying it like crazy. Like there are these two brothers, I forgot where they're from exactly, but their names are Ao and Teo. And they had um, the song, I just want to rolly, rolly, rolly. <laughs> Sound terrible. Anyway, <laughs> with the Dabberinch, anyway, doing the whole dance. That song was big with young, with kids everywhere a couple of years ago, right? But Ao and Teo took that. They, they, you know, they, it's like what Soldier Boy did years ago on so, with social media. They've taken it a step further and are using social media. I think the last time I looked, they were in Taiwan or Vietnam or someplace like that touring, right? We don't hear much about them in America as they're not like mainstream artists that are on the radio, but even because like kids are dancing to the song on TikTok, they end up back on the billboard chart, right? They have their own home studio where they're producing their own music, right? They're distributing it where it's, you know, ending up on, like you said, Tidal, Spotify, iHeart, Apple Music, it's everywhere, right? And then they're creating their own videos as well um, and controlling. So I think they're learning from these Taylor and Beyonce do it big, right? But they're doing it in a way that is just enough for them to own a home, drive a Tesla, wear Gucci shoes, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. I, They're doing just enough on their own that like a label does not have a piece of them. Which is, that's, ex I'm so glad that you said that because that was going to be my question. What is the role of a record label in this, in this new digital kind of, this digital first music sphere in that, unless you want to achieve Taylor Swift status, right? Unless you want to be, I was thinking about the, I think the, there's a young lady, Olivia Rodrigo. She's interesting, yes. right? You know, unless you want to be sort of icon status, do you need a label? As a creator, you know, do you need representation? What does the music, what does a record label, <laughs> record, what does the music label <laughs> provide? And I think maybe it might be interesting one of our future episodes, um, guys, we're going to start having guests, I think, but one of the future episodes might be interesting to talk to. Um, there was the guy that I think I mentioned that I met from United Masters, which is like United's kind of, um, I think, indie division, but like what, what role do they play? And like where and how do they fit into something like this? Because let's go back to the, now let's go to the, so we talked about this from the creator standpoint. Let's go back to the, the entrepreneur standpoint. If I, you know, if I'm an artist, why do I need to give anybody a percentage of anything? If, you know, um, what are they giving me in exchange for the percentage that they're getting? Is the they can get you, they can get you the Pepsi commercial. Right. They can get you the walk in the Louis Vuitton fashion show. They can get you, you know what I mean? Like it's to what's Rihanna's boo's name? ASAP Rocky. It's to a point that ASAP, ASAP, ASAP. I said ASAP. Oh Lord. Like ASAP. Yeah, I'm like ASAP fables. I'm like showing my auntie status for real. Um, but <laughs> but it's to the point that, right, he's more well-known as a model now than even as a musician, right? And a also model and an actor. And Rihanna's baby daddy, right? Um, so although he, he, likely you talk about this, he has that whole ASAP crew. Yeah. 
is under him, right? So any of them come out with records, they're under him or the whole crew. It's kind of like, not to mention her husband. It's kind of like Jay-Z did with Rockefeller back in the days, right? But I think it's, you know, I, I so it's interesting because there's record labels, but then there are also these creator representation firms now and creator right. talent agencies that offer similar ca- capabilities. They give you some distro, they connect you to brands. I guess, you know, I, I think the question is becoming, right, you know, if you want to do a 360 deal, if you want it, which probably I'm dating myself even saying that, right? But if you want to have a multi-platform artist experience, who, it, it seems like artists have more options to partner with others than they did in the past and artists can can pick and choose. Um, but then maybe, you know, I guess one question would be, what's our advertising and publishing angle for this? You know, what's the, what's the, what's the ad tech or, or, or media? Oh, you don't, oh, you don't want to know the ad tech angle. Yeah, tell, tell a, me. I want to know. A, it's a conversation a lot of people are having. So we're talking about cutting out middlemen, basically. Right. right. right? A lot of people are saying if SSPs don't differentiate themselves in the ad tech ecosystem, publishers are going to start going directly to DSPs. So that, for, for me, that's a cutting out the middleman angle. But how can an indie publisher, hmm, how can an indie publisher get advertising, get distribution, especially when social media is so effed up right now, right? I, mean, I, I want to hear your thoughts. If you were advising me, I just started a, a little media Media company? You started a media, media company. company. Is that what you I did? started a little media company. And I come to you and I'm like, hey, I want I want my content everywhere. And I want to be able to do events and I want to be able to do merch. How, how do I go about this? You know, because I'm I'm looking at this from like how blavity. I'm not gonna say anymore. I'll let you go. Go ahead. Oh man. <laughs> So I, <laughs> that's a good question. I think I want to address your first sort of segue into this, and that is that publishers are thinking they will go to DSPs directly. So that's not, I don't think that that's a, I don't, it doesn't surprise me that that is part of the conversation because SSPs do need to differentiate. But when you think about the fact that a DSP is a buy-side platform, the DSP is designed to extract as much possible value from that inventory as possible for the buyer at the lowest possible price. At, theoretically, an SSP is supposed to help publishers get a slightly better price. Get the better price. Mm-hmm. And so, And so I feel like, and again, from what I've heard, Trade Desk squeezes little indie publishers like like is like trying to squeeze blood out of a stone with them, and so I don't see how going directly. I don't see how going to a platform that is designed to extract maximum value from your inventory is going to be a better solution than working with a platform that is designed to meet your needs theoretically and have those two talk. So that's I would say that I. I do think there's something to be said for if what is the what is 
What have you done for me lately? What is your SSP doing for you? Are they introducing you to new demand? Are they helping you understand how things are changing? Are they, um, you know, are they, are they providing value? in the ways that you need them to provide value. If not, then I'd say find a different SSP. I wouldn't say try to go directly to, because the DSP has no incentive to, to the DSP has no incentive to benefit a publisher. Okay, so let me give you an example, but I think this is more about direct, right? Um, Yahoo, cut off the SSP, went all DSP. Uh, they, one of the things they are offering, and I guess it is a direct program, but they are offering Yahoo as well as other premium publishers, right? Direct, right, direct to the So they're in that network. Basically, basically. Just say just say what you are. If you're an ad network, just say you're an ad network. I actually right? really like Yahoo. Um, sorry to interrupt you. I actually really like Yahoo. I think that Yahoo is not a typical publisher and that Yahoo still has... I was actually talking with uh, my my colleague about this today. Yahoo has some of Yahoo has its old publisher roots, but Yahoo also has some of the tech in house still from the various acquisitions that I don't think a smaller traditional publisher that you're talking about is going to have. So, right, no doubt. So now back to the smaller publisher conversation. Does the smaller publisher is there? creative uh resource is it is it um raptive formerly cafe media oh is it rebranded okay yeah is it group black if you know is it <laughs> is it yo i'm gonna ignore that <laughs> i'm gonna ignore that one is it um what's the other one there's one that begins with an m um, they have like a lot of cooking blogs. Mediavine. Like Mediavine. Is it um? Is it Mediavine? Is it ca is it Raptive slash Cafe Media? Is it is that their play into getting some like some Correct. real bank, some real coin? Right. That's a good, that's actually a really good question. I mean, I think that there's, so now we've got publisher and, and slash entrepreneur hat on, right? I think that there, mm -hmm. I think that, I think that it depends on what the goals are of the business. I was at a conference last week and um, there was a TV, you know, ad industry conference. And it was so interesting at the beginning of the conference, people were, you know, it was all the networks and they were talking about how amazing things were and like all of their beautiful content. And it was awesome. And at the end of the conference, <laughs> there was a panel and it had like a Wall Street analyst who was basically like, none of this shit is happening. I don't care. People are getting bought. People are getting sold. Y'all can't handle it. And it was just a dramatic contrast. What the, the point of that is, I think that the days of massive growth, like the days of a BuzzFeed, the days of, a, oh my God, I'm going to reach, you know, hundreds of millions of uniques super quickly and transact based on that. I, I think those days are kind of done because of audience segmentation and fragmentation and all the platforms. And, and so I think it's, if, if the publisher's goal is to make 
And this actually comes back to what you said in the beginning. If the publisher's goal is to be Beyonce and Taylor Swift, I actually don't know what to tell them. Take some VC money, get yourself, you know, grow at a hyper ridiculous rate, and then eventually get sold off for parts, aka Vice Media and uh and and my other favorite complex, right? Um if, but I think there's something to be said for sustainable growth. I think there's something to be said for figuring out who your audience is and creating content, merch, and experiences that your audience, that speak to your audience so that you can form a business that allows you to buy some Gucci sneakers, buy a Tesla, and buy a house, as opposed to fly around the world in a private jet, right? Like, I, th I don't know if that, I don't know if that make, you know, if that answer. I don't get a G6. I don't get a G6. I just get a Tesla. We're so, oh my God, we're so, we are so, so great. I like it too. But I mean, again, I, I don't know. What do you think? You are much more plugged into kind of the publisher world than I am admittedly anymore. What, you know, what do you think? Are the days of turbocharged Taylor Swift level growth over? No, I don't. I don't think it's over because when you have a company like uh, the Arena Group mm. or like, um, um, who's another one like them? Oh, Dot Dash Meredith, right? Yeah. Right? These M&As are going to continue to happen. And then they're going to gobble up these smaller publishers, okay. right? And then they'll have all these verticals, okay? right? So that, that to your other point, the indie publisher can hope to get gobbled up, right? <laughs> and become, like you said, you said sold off. But there's also, um, it's not venture funding. What's the funding that's going into a lot of these publishers now? Um, can't think of the name of it right now. Is hedge fund? No, it's not a hedge fund. No, like PE, private equity. Yes, private equity. That's the yeah. yeah I know it's not it's not good for publishers, but no. there are there no. are small publishers going that route, right? And that's especially some of these like locals, right? Local publishers, right? Who are hoping to be parts of changing. You know how they used to be back in New York, like there was New York Press and there was Village Voice and there were. All of these. So nowadays, what's happening is some kind of private equity company will own a string of these in various cities and like streamline them and make them all operate the same way. And right, because it's all about cutting costs. Yeah, because well, I actually learned what a PE firm does. Right, like they buy these, they buy distressed assets or they buy these platforms, streamline them so that they are operating effectively, so that they can sell them. Right, like they're they're again not it's not be in the business for the long haul. Yep. Um, you know, I think the last lens, which I, I think that that's there, there's a full circle ability to tie this conversation together, though, because I think the question is, what is what is the publisher's goal, or what is the what is the you know what is the publisher's goal, or what is the creator's goal? If because I think you know you can also look at Taylor Swift, who had to renegotiate. I think she had to reissue her a bunch of her work because she didn't own her masters or she didn't own her right and so it's like what are these deals that you are signing up for as a publisher as an artist and again what's the goal if you want growth quickly and you want money up front that's a thing 
But then what happens longer term? Are you building something that can continue to pay you over time? Are you Or are you building something that gives you that flash in the pan? Right. Well, I mean, that is the thing, right? Uh, Beyonce has been building this brand since the Beyonce brand itself since the early 2000s, right? Um, when did Taylor come out? Was she early 2000s too? Yeah. Early, early aughts, right? They're both early aughts. So, um, oh, you don't like aughts? You don't like when people say aughts? It's fine. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? That's so <laughs> Um, That's what all the music writers I know, know they do. Right? In the early aughts. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I used to be part of that camp, so you have to excuse me. Um. But yeah, they've been building these brands for so long, like just, right. But do they own the full brand? That's and, the question in the case the of, the and then a case of, a or, or they're now at a point where they are starting to own the full brand. And again, I think to tie this back to the publisher piece and or the, you know, the media owner is what do you own of your empire? Like, what do you, what, you can build on these platforms, right? As people are saying, you build this audience on Instagram. There's an actual, there's a really interesting um, blog called The Tilt. It's written by Joe Polizzi, who sold um, Content Marketing Institute to another company. And so it's all about the creator economy. And it's one of those things where he talks about, he's like, these are, this is rented land. Put your Instagram audience, but as soon as you can get their email address, as soon as you can put them into your platform, as soon as you can get them to, to a place that is not owned by the World Gardens, you're going to be better. And that's kind of the same thing that goes with like a music artist. Actually, I just found out that Bandcamp was owned by Epic. And Epic is actually, yeah, band, I don't remember when they bought them, which was a whole thing. Maybe that's a separate, that's for next week or next episode, but and they laid off like half of the staff because, you know, Epic is having a bunch of um, financial issues right now. But yeah, Band Bandcamp was owned by Epic, which which was a thing. Last hat that we have not discussed is Black Woman Hat. Mm. What do you think about the new Renaissance movie from a Black woman's standpoint? Like, how does it make you feel? What's your, you know, I, I have to say, I don't, and it's, it's, it is ridiculous. I, I was watching this little video of the of the thing and I was getting emotional. I was like, oh my God, this is like all these black women together and people just the it I the closest thing I could say I felt was as a kid watching the Moonwalker movie and seeing how people were reacting to Michael Jackson and it would make me feel some kind of weird way watching the trailer for this Renaissance concert movie. And seeing how people were reacting to Beyonce and sort of, I was getting a little verklempt. And like, I don't know how, that, like, I don't know how that works, but I was. As soon as, soon as you said you were feeling, I was going to be like, were you verklempt? I was verklempt, <laughs> right? Like, and, and so how does that, that's, that's the thing, you know? Well, it, I mean, it is a thing. And I think, I mean, the same way people went dressed up to the concert, they're going to go dressed up to the movies. It's going to be like, um... Black Panther all over again, right? Another dose of Afrofuturism for you. Another mm -hmm. dose, sorry. Um, but I mean, yeah, I I'll check it out. Usually I wait till things are on, you know, something I can watch at home, but I'll go and brave the crowds 
or Beyonce. Um, I mean, I I love the album. The people there are people who have dissed the album, of course. Uh, but I love the album. The album is very well because they dissed it because they tried to say she didn't give credit to the people that she, but she did. She, if you look at every song, it has like twenty names on it. That's how much she gave credit to everyone. Um, but as a black woman, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, and I am also. I hate that people also diss it. Like, oh, she makes all this money and she doesn't do any. She does a lot for communities and for funds and like she. I can't. Don't ask me to quote what's the name of all of them right now. Um, I should have looked them up before we got in here, but um, I know she has. Um, various projects and various things she contributes to. Um, so she does share the wealth. And I mean, I think a lot, she and Jay-Z, I'm going to bring them both back together. They try to school people on how you can get like them, right? I, I feel like they do. They're not just trying to hold all the, the dough for themselves. They want to see Black folks come up. That's what I think. That's what I feel from the messages they put out there. Mm, that's a, I mean that's a whole other it's a whole other conversation I feel like this is a perfect place to end I we started with Afrofuturism ended with Afrofuturism guys speaking of Afrofuturism and supporting small publishers and small media owners hit a subscribe below subscribe to our podcast so you can get us in your inbox directly um and we'll continue the dialogue and then we'll keep you posted for when we do our first in-person um check and soul event right yeah looking forward to that Til all right time. out